Before I start, something I was, you know, the, one of the nice things about office hours is that you get to talk to people and you get to hear kind of like different things. And one of the things that I was reminded of today is the particular challenge of culture in Islam. You know, um, the thing is, is that if we understand religious teachings properly, we understand fiqh properly, then we get what we have in the world. What we have in the world is that you have many different places where Islam has existed for a long time. And the way that Islam is lived and practiced in those places is relevant to those places. Right? Like it's connected to those places, it's based on the culture of those places. You don't expect, for example, that if you go to Pakistan, that you're going to get like a Lebanese flavor of Islam in Pakistan. It wouldn't make any sense, right? It would be really weird actually. They'd be like, what is going on here? And if you went to Egypt, you wouldn't expect Islam in Egypt to look like Islam in Southeast Asia, for example, right? Uh, yet when we come to America, we have this interesting phenomenon. And that phenomenon, but it's still Islam, just to be clear, right? It's not just like, these people and these cultures are clearly Muslim people and they're clearly Muslim cultures. And um, that of course takes time. But when, when we come to America, we have this phenomenon of like Islam in America has to look like something else somewhere else. And if it doesn't look like that, then it's not authentic. You know, and there's a Imam that I know who's someone that I hold in very high regard. And I think is someone, uh, you know, very special. And usually, you know, he's, he's, some of us are from this place, but our roots were somewhere else. Some of us were actually from somewhere else. We're in this place. Some of us were in this place and we're from this place and our roots are in this place. You know, so each, each person is slightly different and everyone doesn't have to be the same. Right? Uh, I don't expect, as much as I want Islam in America to respect and, and understand America, I don't expect people who have different cultural backgrounds to leave those things. Right? Like you shouldn't stop being whoever you are because you came to this country. And at the same time, we have to uh, respect the realities of the place that we live in. And different places in this country are very different. You know, like even in the same city, the suburbs and the inner city can be very different. Culture can be extremely different, um, just down the street. So I'm just reminded of that and that, you know, um, like obviously I spent, a, uh, it comes up all the time, I spent a good portion of my adult life in Egypt and I, loved e I love Egypt and Egypt is like a second home to me but I wouldn't expect people who are trying to learn from me to become Egyptian, <laughs> you know? Uh, I don't expect them to do the things that I did when I lived there and I don't expect myself to do things that here that I did when I lived there but I also will bring things there that at the same time um, 
we should recognize that sometimes cultures need to be worked with and the best of them needs to be brought out. And um, our default is not always what is the best from that place. And so, uh, you know, may Allah help us and may Allah guide us. And also that in community life, not everyone is, is, meant, is the same, right? Like some people are going to play scholarly roles. Some people are going to play um, spiritual roles. Some people are going to play intellectual roles. Some people are going to be professors. Some people are going to be business people. Some people are going to be this, that, whatever else it might be. Some people are going to drive uh, Uber. Some, everyone's going to do something different, right? And um, one of the things that I think all of the teachers in the Majlis would agree upon is that our goal in teaching is not to make people copies of ourselves. Our goal in teaching is to lay out the necessary parameters that help a person to be able to figure out who they are, not, not to become me. I, I, would, I would hate for any of my students to become me or anyone, don't become me, become you. Right? That's, that's, that's the goal, is to understand myself enough that I can figure out who I am and, and what I'm going to do and what that's going to look like and so on. And of course, we benefit from people, you know. Um, we benefit from whoever we can. But in the end, that's one of the beautiful things about the spiritual journey and one of the reasons why we find Islam to be very universal in all of these places. Is because in the end, it's about the human being and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, um, and so, uh, and so the paths to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are as numerous as the breaths that people take. You know, people will, uh, will do their own thing. Allah help us. And we should ask ourselves, who am I? You know, who am I? And and the that's like all like many good questions. They're really simple and they're really complicated at the same time. You know, it's like when someone asks about qadr. It's like, okay, well, that's really simple and really complicated. Who am I is also really simple and really complicated. You know, it's uh, we are who we are, and 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 may Allah subhanahu wa taala help us to to see who we are and to fully understand who we are and who we can be and, and, and what is the best in us <clears throat> and to be able to bring all of those things together right? because every, every one of us is, is compi com com compiled of uh, many many different experiences and circumstances and influences and all kinds of things and what shaitan wants is for us to believe that all of those things are contradictory and that they're pulling us in different directions and I'm just so confused and that's not actually what it has to be and um, and inshallah you know every single one of us with all of the things that we've been through there's a way for all of that to come together and that's you know when that comes together then inshallah we will be very strong and that's what Allah wants from us so اللهم وفقنا يا ربي إلى ما تحبه وترضاه. We left off with the author saying the following. قال رحمه الله تعالى ونفعنا الله وياه بعلومه في دارين آمين. وعلم أن العاقل لما صح علمه وثبت يقينه 
alima annahu la yunjihi min rabbihi illa sidq did we do this no i don't think we did i think we fasa'a fi talabihi wa bahatha an akhlaqi ahlihi raghbatan fi an yahya qabla mamatihi liyasta'idda li dar al khulud ba'da wafatihi وَبَاعَ نَفْسَهُ وَمَالَهُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ حَيْثُ سَمِعَهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Subhanallah Every week, at least for me, every week I come it's the, it's the same I'm like, رضي الله تعالى عنهم إمام المحاسب is عجيب He said, know that the عاقل the person of intellect, which we've gone over many times now, the person of intellect, when their knowledge is sound and their certainty is fixed. Okay? So now they're a person who has this intellect and the knowledge that they have is sound. And the certainty they have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on is firm. Then when that happens to them, they know 100% true knowledge that nothing will save them from their Lord except a sidq. Nothing will save them except a sidq. A sidq, uh, again, you know, it's one of these terms that's difficult to translate and it's important to just know in and of itself. Sidq. Sidq is, you know, uh, to be fully real, to be fully true, to have full integrity. Uh, for everything to align, everything to match up, everything to be honest, you know, that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it, it is what it is. It's just me and you, Allah. And so he knows that this is, this. he or she knows that this is the thing. And you know, this is, this is what we want. We want our religion to move past slogans. Right? A lot of times, our religious experience is basically a bunch of slogans. There's this thing, there's that thing, there's... And then, or sometimes like a bunch of arguments that are also slogans. Right? Like, where I'm arguing for this side today. And now this person, they read some things, they argue for the other side. And then like, you know, and there's like, I want to submit this person, subject them to this position and get them to accept it. And okay, well, and then what? Okay, fine, they accepted your position. Or you accepted your position. Or this or that. Or whatever else it might be. Okay, what? Now, why? Was it so that I can be real with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or was it just so that someone could be on my side or my team or I can feel good about myself or whatever else it might be? You know? So they know that if I'm this person, that they, they attain these qualities, they know I want to be good with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have to find sidq. I have to find sidq. So what do they do? The person puts in, they, 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 they hasten towards seeking it. And they run seeking it. They put effort in seeking it. They, they, they're like, That the person has nothing except what they put forward. They, I have this, I only have... Uh, I only, you only live once. I only have this life. And I'm going to put forth what I can with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they seek that. And they, وَبَحَثَ عَنْ أَخْلَاقِ أَهْلِهِ رَغْبَةً فِي أَنْ يَحْيَى قَبْلَ مَمَاتِهِ 
And he says, so they, they, they seek this sitq and they struggle and they put effort in seeking it and looking for it and searching for the character of its people. Searching for the character of the people of sitq. I want to find that, right? And why do they do that? Out of their hope that they will live before they die. Their hope that they will live before they die. Because there's, everything else is... Uh, if it's not real, it's not real, right? If it's not real, then what was it actually? It didn't, didn't actually mean much. So they want to live before they die. He says, Sheikh Abu Ghudda in the, in the footnote, he says, Rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafarallahu bi, bi an yudhkara fi hayatihi bin khayri fi idadi ahlihi as-salihin. He says this means that the person will be remembered in their life before they die, even though they'll be remembered while they're alive as being a person who was a person of righteousness, a person who was good, a person who was from the righteous people, a person who had sid, a person who, had, who was trustworthy, who was upright in their character and in their deen. You know? And if they're able to do that before they pass away, then that's a great thing. You know? They lived a good life. They had, they had their life ahead of them. And, and they, they really spent it in something that was good. So that, he can, so that he or she can be ready for the everlasting life after they pass away. And because they have this realization and this understanding, then they sell themselves and their wealth to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they heard Allah say in the Qur'an, Verily Allah has purchased from the believers themselves and their wealth in recompense that theirs is Jannah. That's what they get in, in recompense. The believer says, I give my life to you, Allah. I give my wealth to you, Allah. And Allah says, this is, your reward is paradise. Okay? So they have this understanding and then they try to do that. I think one of the operative words here is they sa'a, sa'a, and ba'atha. You know, they... They, they set out and they put that effort in and they search for it. And they don't give up, you know. Sa'i has like a connotation in a sense. Actually, I think that this idea of Sa'i is an important metaphor or symbol in the life of the believer. And if you, what's one of the most important rituals that we have is the ritual of doing Sa'i between Safa and Marwa, right? And we do this Sa'i, this traveling between Safa and Marwa, these two mounts. When we go to Umrah or we go to Hajj, that's what we do, right? And it goes back to Sayyidah Hajar, that she was with Ismail salam, and they were in the desert and she put this effort in. She didn't know, like, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Where is the answer going to come from? Where is the support going to come from? Nothing was guaranteed for her, salam. Right? But she made the effort. And when she made the effort, subhanAllah, things opened up for her. And doesn't she didn't like do one of them and say, okay, where is it? Do two of them and say, well, she went and she went and she went. Sometimes it doesn't. We don't know when it comes. SubhanAllah. And this is true for little things. It's true for big things. I was telling people this morning that, you know, it's, it's true for little things. It's true for big things. But Allah, in the, in the books of spirituality, they always use this term of futuhat. You know, the person has openings. There's openings associated with different things. Actually, the openings are happening all the time. A person might pray for 20 years, they don't feel much from it. And then something just changes and they feel something in their prayers. It's fatah. It's opening from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
or maybe it becomes a little bit better, it becomes a little bit stronger. Maybe they're going through difficulty, maybe things are alleviated. All kinds of openings are happening all the time. It's difficult. We have to try to trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَعَلِمَ بَعْدَ الْجَهْلِ وَاسْتَغْنَ بَعْدَ الْفَقْرِ وَأَنِسَ بَعْدَ الْوَحْشَةِ وَقَرُبَ بَعْدَ الْبُعْدِ وَاسْتَرَاحَ بَعْدَ التَّعَبِ فَاتَّنَفَ أَمْرُهُ وَاجْتَمَعَ هَمُّهُ وَصَارَتِ التَّقْوَى شِعَارَهُ وَالْمُرَاقَبَةُ حَالَهُ وَالْمُرَاقَبَةُ حَالَهُ He said, so he, then that person, they know after being ignorant and they become and like sufficed in themselves after being impoverished. It's not necessarily a matter of wealth, right? It's a matter of this need internally. Sometimes we have internal needs, just unfulfilled. So they became fulfilled after being unfulfilled. And they felt the opposite of lonely. You know, what's the opposite of lonely? Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know. Interesting, huh? In Arabic, of course, you have a million words for everything. And it makes perfect sense and it feels so good and right. <laughs> in English, you can't figure it out. They have, like, uns is, uns is that feeling of, like, love and closeness. Ideally, you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also we can have with people sometimes, right? Actually, this is, people always talk about insan coming from the, coming, being related to forgetfulness. Actually, insan is more closely related to uns. The, the human being is created to have that feeling with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they, had, they went through maybe a period where they felt this um, scatteredness, this loneliness, and now all of it's gone. And they're just happy and at peace. They're with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they become close after being far. And they become, rest, they, they become at ease after being exhausted. And so because of that, all of their affair becomes unified. And all of their concerns, uh, their internal world, subhanAllah is what I was talking about in the beginning. Their internal world comes together. That's jamma'. They use this also in the spiritual books. It's an interesting term, actually. You know, that the person, when they attain something really good, they get jamma'. Jamma'. You know, jamma'. means when something comes together, right? So it means like the, the internal life of the person can become very scattered, right? But when the person becomes right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then everything comes together. All of their, their emotions all come together. And all of their psych, psychology all comes together. And all of their spirituality all comes together. And all of their knowledge all comes together. And everything now becomes clear. So he says, And all of their concerns become one, but not in a bad way. Like it becomes, they, they have this um, direction to them. You know, they, they're, um, subhanAllah. Uh, and taqwa becomes a person's, that becomes their banner. Their banner or their slogan becomes taqwa. That's what's guiding them and leading them and everything. And their constant state is that they're in a state of muraqaba. They're, they have this muraqaba is like a, Presence of, of heart and soul with the reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is observing and watching. So Allah is watching and I'm watching myself. That I have this, I'm watching myself with Allah. So that becomes how they live their life. 
أَلَا تَرَى لِقَوْلِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ أَعْبُدِ اللَّهِ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكِ He said, do you not see the statement of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم where he said, worship Allah as if you see him and if you do not see him, he sees you. If you do not see him, he sees you. Very interesting expression, huh? In lam takun It seems to indicate you could have some sort of vision, in a sense. Some sort of uh, witnessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yahsabuhu al jahilu sammitan ayyan. SubhanAllah. Yahsabuhu al jahilu sammitan. عَيِّيًّا وَحِكْمَتُهُ أَصْمَتَتْهُ He says that the ignorant person will look at this person that he's describing. The ignorant person will look at this person who he's describing and they'll think that that person is mute. That's the word, right? Mute, like when someone can't speak. They'll think that they're mute. And they'll think that they're sick. Something's wrong with them. <laughs> What's wrong with this person? They don't speak. Everyone else is speaking. They don't speak. What's wrong with them? And then he says, وَحِكْمَتُهُ أَسْمَتَتُهُ And this individual's wisdom caused them to go silent. Their wisdom caused them to go silent. It's not because they didn't have anything. It reminds me of this story that's always um, mentioned of Shaykh Abdul Hassan al-Shadhani radiallahu ta'ala anhu. I believe it was when they were going out to battle even with the crusaders. And they were in a tent together. You know him, Shaykh Abdul Hassan, and um, Aliza ibn Abdul Salam, Sultan al-Ulama. Um, who else was there? A couple of other big names were there. They're all, subhanAllah, going to jihad. They're all big names. They're all together, right? And they're sitting down and they're talking about something and every one of them spoke. These are like the biggest ulama of their time, you know? Every one of them spoke. Shaykh Abdul Hassan was, was silent. And um, then after everyone spoke, they said, Shaykh, we want to hear from you. And he said, what is there to say? The ulama, they've already spoken. People have already spoken. So like, no, 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 we really want to hear from you. He said, then he began to speak, and he spoke and he said things that had insights and reflections that none of them had anything near what he had to say. And then they were like, okay, now this is knowledge. <laughs> this, is, this is the real knowledge right here. And um, so, but his initial response was that he was really quiet. You know, uh, you know Sheikh Sharawi, the famous Sheikh Sharawi, the uh, scholar and uh, commentator on the Qur'an. You know, I, I think for people who knew and experienced Sheikh Sharawi, they understand. But if you weren't like from the Arab world, you didn't experience that in some sort of way, I don't think people understand like what Sheikh Sharawi was, in a sense, you know, rahimahullah. Um, and I think younger people also don't understand because they don't know that world even. They don't know a world where you don't watch things on demand. You know, like we, we know that world. <laughs> If you wanted to watch something, you had to catch it, you know. 
And if you missed the Sunday morning cartoons at 9 a.m., that was the episode for the week. You missed it. You're going to be a loser at school all week because you didn't, you didn't know what happened in that episode. You know? <laughs> so this was like there was a time when if you wanted to see something, you caught it at that time and there was no alternative. Sheikh Sharawi was in that time. right? And his, his tafsir lesson that he would teach was on Friday, you know, in the afternoon on Friday. And literally, like, Egypt would just stop. Like, the, the, the country would, like, shut down because everyone's watching Sheikh Sharawi. He was that, that um, like, influential and powerful. Everyone was just, like, the whole thing would shut down, you know. And you watch, the, the recordings are incredible. It's really, like, there is one, someone who grew up with him. And he said that what we saw from him all of his life was that he would be in a gathering and he would be the most knowledgeable person in the gathering and he'd be the last person to say anything. And he'd, he'd never speak, he, he wouldn't have anything to say, he would just be with the people, you know. And the person was saying, and I believe that's why, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him, you know, this position of being teaching and when that happened like late in his life, really, where he's doing that, then um, like everyone listened. Allah turned the hearts of the people towards him. But many, many hours and hours and hours and hours of his life, he's sitting not saying anything. You know? um, Sayyidina Luqman, uh, who's obviously mentioned in the Quran, Luqman, um, you know, he was, uh, Luqman was black, by the way. Uh, Racism is not only a problem in America, but it's a uniquely bad problem in America. Um, but Luqman was black, and um, a man came, he said, فَأَتَاهُ رَجُلٌ وَهُوَ فِي مَجْلِسِ أُنَاسٍ يُحَدِّثُهُمْ أَيُّ عَلِّمُهُمْ وَيُرْسِدُهُمْ فَقَالَ لَهُ أَلَسْتَ الَّذِي كُنْتَ تَرَعَ مَعِيَ الْغَنَمْ فِي مَكَانِ كَذَا وَكَذَا So this man came, and he saw that Luqman is sitting, and he's teaching, and people are listening to him, and stuff like that. And he said to Luqman, he said, aren't Aren't you the guy that like we used to shepherd together? <laughs> like, we used to be in the hillsides and there was a flock and like, we used to shepherd together. Aren't you? Aren't you him? You know, like how did? What's going on here? He said, Yeah, that's me. He said, and the man asked a smart question. He said, "Qala na'am, qala ma'ara." He said, that, "He said yes, I'm that person." He said, "So how did you? How am I seeing what I'm seeing right now? Right? How am I seeing what I'm seeing right now?" Uh, and he said, "Sidqul hadith was samtu amma la yaanini." Sidqul hadith was samtu amma la yaanini. He said, "I was truthful in my speech, and I stayed quiet about things that don't concern me." I was truthful in my speech. I stayed quiet about things that don't concern me. That's his whole answer. <laughs> you know what it was? That's what it was. So look at this description. The ignorant person will look at this person and think they're foolish, think they have nothing to say, think they're not intelligent, think they don't have knowledge, think all of these things. And what, what is it that's caused them to be quiet is that they've attained actually really high levels of knowledge and wisdom and learning and understanding. Yeah. And that's why it's important, like, one of the things that we learn when we read these books too is that 
it's important to learn how these people are so that we can also learn how we should be around them. Like, for example, if I'm around someone like this, I shouldn't expect that they're just going to, like, share their opinion. I shouldn't assume that. Like, okay, five of us that are at a table, and everyone's sharing their opinion, and they're talking about something, and everyone's having this conversation, and this person is just sitting there. I mean, most likely they're a sheikh, because it's like the behavior of sheikhs. And the sheikh is sitting there, and he doesn't say anything. Everyone just has their conversation and gets up and leaves. Oh, you missed out on a big opportunity to actually find out what did they think. But because nobody asked them, they didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm not going uh, to speak if I don't have to speak. So I just, you know. And that's because a lot of times they don't have to speak. It's not like sometimes something has to be said. If something actually has to be said, they'll say it for sure. But a lot of times something doesn't have to be said. So they just won't say anything. So if I don't know like how to uh, be around it, or maybe they'll go along with things, but it's not actually what they want. It's halal, so they'll go along with it to make the people happy out of like, you know, serving them and make them happy. They want that. Alhamdulillah, Bismillah, we'll do that. But maybe it's not what they want. <laughs> yeah. So is some sort of, uh, there's also a lesson in this to see how to be around people like that. SubhanAllah. يحسبه الأحمق مهذارا يحسبه الأحمق مهذارا والنصيحة لله أنتقته Now the other side of it, right? Does it, uh, I'm assuming مهذارا I don't know this word actually Anyone know this word? مهذارا I'm thinking it means that um, they're speaking too much. Can't leave this. I don't know how I didn't catch that. Um, let's find it. No, I don't want the English one. Don't give me the English one. Give me the Arabi Arabi one. Yeah, that one. Okay. So basically, the person who doesn't, so one side of it, sometimes they'll be very quiet. The person will think they're, they're sick or they just can't talk or they don't have anything to say. Right? And it's wisdom that kept them silent. The other side of it is that the stupid person actually, an ahmaq, forgive me. Yeah, it's, many of our cultures have the word ahmaq. It's very... Uh, it's a very colorful, colorful term. It can only be felt. It's not meant to be. <laughs> it's one of those words. It has to be felt. Ahmaq. You know, like, you feel like there's a really uh, unintelligent person. The Ahmaq thinks that they're talking for no reason. They're just talking too much for no reason. And giving sound counsel and speaking for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what caused them to speak. So both sides, you know. Sometimes a person will look at it, why are they talking so much? Because they're doing this out of sincerity and, and goodness for the people that they're talking to. And another time the person will think, well, how come they're not saying anything? Because out of wisdom they're not saying anything. So they're both of the situations. وَيَحْسَبُهُ وَيَحْسَبُهُ أَدْنَاهُ. And they and and that one person will look at them 
and think that they're very wealthy. And they think that because they have so much temperance and humility in the way that they live, that, or not even humility, like, basically patience over, over not ta'af, it's hard to translate. You know, ifa usually is related to, like, temperance. But ifa, when related to not asking for money and stuff like that, is basically that they have, like, this patience and this forbearance and they have this wealth, wealth of self, says it. Uh, this character trait of being so um, like um, self-contented makes a person feel like they're actually very wealthy. Maybe they're not, you know. But they would never say anything about it. They would never give you any indication that they have any sort of hardship or need or anything else. But that's out of their... Um, so the person would think that they're very wealthy and they're not, right? On the other side of it, another person will look at them and think that they're poor, but it's just because they're so humble. Right? <laughs> they're so humble that they, they're not going to wear like really nice things, and they're not going to do, you know, just take. So they have all of these qualities. The point is that if we're dealing with people, that we understand that they're people of taqwa, they're people of piety, and they're people of relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should be careful about our immediate impressions. Uh, sometimes our immediate impression might be one thing, but it might not actually, the reality might not actually be that thing. So we have to um, have this. And also it shows you the complexity of uh, these, I don't know if you feel this way, but to me these things are so beautiful. Uh, it's really, um, uh, I don't know why, I, I, I can't even explain to you why, but it, it's just so beautiful. لا يتعرض لما لا يعنيه ولا يتكلم فوق ما يكفيه ولا يأخذ ما ليس بمحتاج إليه ولا يدعو ما وكل بحفظه الناس منه في راحة وهو من نفسه في تعب قد أمات بالورع حرسه وحسم بالتقى طمعه وأطمع بنور العلم شهواته رضي الله تعالى عنه then he says فهكذا فكون وَمِثْلِ هَؤُلَاءِ فَاصْحَبْ وَلِآثَارِهِمْ فَاتَّبِعْ وَبِأَخْلَاقِهِمْ فَتَأَدَّبْ فَهَؤُلَاءِ الْكَنْزِ الْمَأْمُونِ بَاعِيُهُمْ بِالدُّنْيَا مَغْبُونِ I can't, it's a... They don't expose themselves to that which does not concern them. And they don't take upon themselves more than what is needed. And they don't take for themselves more than what they need. And they would never leave anything that has been given to them to be entrusted. People with regards to them are at ease and they are with regards to themselves in exhaustion and exertion and, and fatigue you know because when it comes to bettering themselves they put all their effort into it and so when people deal with them the people have it easy with them they have 
their vain ambitions have been put to death by their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by their wara. Um, and their taqwa has uh, put an end to same, it's kind of similar, their ambitions, their tama. I always struggle with how to translate tama. And then I get it and then I forget it again. Yeah, like always wanting more. There's just always. You know, Allah says that I gave him this and I gave him this and I gave him this and I gave him this. Then they want me, and then they want me to give them more. Yeah. It's like a greediness, like a avarice, yeah. Uh, but that's been taken care of because of their taqwa. And the light of knowledge has extinguished their desires. You know, they have, they have real knowledge, so everything else goes away. They don't have any desire for these things anymore. You know? It's like, okay, I could spend 10 more minutes on something that I desire. Or I can spend 10 minutes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the desires are gone. They're just with Allah, you know. <laughs> this is again. It's one of the biggest things about, I think, the way of the Prophet sallallahu that is that is sometimes um, uh, somehow we miss it. Like the simplicity of the way of the Prophet sallallahu is something that really enables everything that he does sallallahu so He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need food, he doesn't need clothes. Even what he has from shelter is extremely simple. And, and he has community. So what else is there? Like, what, what are you gonna. Okay, one day hungry, one day not hungry, one day nice clothes, one day not nice clothes, one day he has something nice, the person comes to him, says, Can I have this, Ya Rasulullah? He knows the Prophet's gonna give it to him, so he gives it to him, <laughs> gives him his cloak. Uh, it comes, it goes, it's gone. But because there's so so, how can you how can you how can you control a person like that? How can you subjugate a person like that? How can you dominate a person like that? And you can't. They're already free. And so, uh, Subhanallah, it's, it's amazing. fakun. So be like that. He says. So like this. Technically, he says. But like this. So like this. Be. It's different than be like that. Right? Like this. Be. And those kind of people keep their company and follow their footsteps and follow their character because they are the precious treasure. They're the, they are the precious treasure. And someone who sells being with people like that for some sort of worldly benefit, then they really lost out. That's what he says. And in the footnote, he says, "A لو حصل الإنسان والدنيا وفاته صحبة هؤلاء فهو مغبون مخدوع في رضاه بالدنيا بدلا عنه وقد صدق رحمه الله تعالى." Sheikh Abu Fatah says this. He says, if a person achieved every worldly benefit. And they missed keeping the company of those kind of people, then they lost out. Because, you know, 
And then Shaykh Abdul Fattah says, and he told the truth, Rahimahullah. He says about Imam Muhasibi, and he told the truth, Rahimahullah. Someone mentioned to me recently that they heard something said about Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghuddin, Rahimahullah. You know. Those, of course, all of you know that Nama, or that just comes usually, she is, may Allah accept her Umrah, she's the granddaughter of Shaykh Abdul Fattah. So, Shaykh Abdul Fattah, Rahimahullah, one of the things that was said about him was that if you didn't know who he was and you went into a gathering, then you just look for the person whose face is the most illuminated, and you know that's, that's Shaykh Abdul Fattah. Because of how much salah he used to make on the Prophet How much service he did to the sunnah of the Prophet So you just look for that and you know Oh that's Shaykh Abu Fatah <laughs> Subhanallah And truly if you see like videos and stuff, Even in old videos you can see it If you look him up and like look up old pictures or videos You're like Subhanallah Allah really gave him a nur uh, So they will be at loss al Ooh, that's important. Subhanallah. MashaAllah. He says they are the greatest support in times of trial. They are the greatest support in times of trial. And they are like the greatest um, again support from amongst friends and protection amongst friends. If you leave them, they suffice you. Sorry, not if you leave them. If uh, if if you are in need, they suffice you, and if they make du'a to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, they don't forget you. They are the party of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The party of Allah is is successful. Party of Allah is successful. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad MashaAllah That's you guys this is, He wrote a whole book about you all MashaAllah So nice uh, What's our food situation? Anyone has? Oh Great I'll finish it. Wa'alam, he says, Wa'alam, wassa'allahu bil fahmi qalbi wa qalbak, wa anara bil ilmi sadri wa sadrak, wa jama'a bil yaqini hammi wa hammak. Ameen, say ameen. And Muhasib is making dua for us. He says, No. And then he says, May Allah expand my heart and your heart by understanding, and give light to my chest and your chest through knowledge. And solidify 
my, my affairs and your affairs through certainty. He says, he starts by saying that. Anni wajadtu asla kulli bala'in dakhidan ala al-qalbi dururatan min nata'ijin fuduli wa aslu dhalika indukunu fi dunya bin jahal. Ya Latif. Wa nisyanu al-ma'adi ba'd al-im. So he says, after all of that dua and everything, I found that the, that the source of every trial that enters upon the heart necessarily is the result of Al-Fudul uh, Al-Fudul uh, Al-Fudul is basically To How do we explain this? I don't know a good translation for Fudul It's running into the same problem The word Fadl We hear it all the time, right? The blessing of Allah We used to translate it as like The blessing of Allah The virtue of Allah So on and so forth What is Fadl actually? Fadl is like if you had a cup, okay, and you filled the cup up, and then it gets to the brim, and you fill it up a little bit more, the water that spills over, that's fadl. Okay? It's my yafudun, huh? Ten. Okay. Fadl. So the fadl is what is left over. It comes over the top, right? When we talk about the fadl of Allah, say the blessings of Allah, the virtues of Allah, these things, because those are all actually Allah doesn't have to give us anything. Everything that He gives us is fadl, right? This is in a bad context. So the bad context of it is it's essentially like a foolishness. What's scary about this is we actually engage in a lot of foolishness. <laughs> you know, the, from the diseases of the the tongue is fudul and karam, you know, and and. Uh, we just speak about things that don't need to be spoken about. We spend on things that don't need to be spent on. We use time on things that don't need to be spent time on. These are all things that they're not actually necessary. They're just extra. So that water that's spilling over the top. So he's saying all of the things that enter into the heart from difficulties and trials and everything else, know that this is from Fudu. I found that it's from Fudu. And then he said... Actually, let me read the footnote since we have 10 minutes. قُلْتُ شَيْخَ بْنُ فَتَحْسَ قُلْتُ وَلَقَدْ صَدَقَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَمَنْ هَذَا قَالَ الْإِمَامُ الْحَافِذِ الْمُحَدِّثِ الزَّاهِدِ أبو سعيد بن الأعرابي أحمد بن محمد البصري الصوفي صاحب التصانيف وأحد رواتي سنن أبي داود عنه المتوفى سنة 340 رحمه الله تعالى He said the following One of the nice things about reading Shaykh Abdul Fatah's books, by the way is you get to meet all of the, you get to meet so many of the ulama. Because they always put in the comments, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said this. This is who they were, even if it's a few words. They were, so he says this, the, so-and-so said the following. He is the Imam, the Hafid, the Muhaddith, the Zahid. So already you have, he's calling him Imam. He's calling him Hafid, 
and this is a hadith issue actually, not a Qur'an issue. Now that we became weak in Qur'an, it became a Qur'an issue. <laughs> but <laughs> Hafid, as a technical term, was like someone who's memorized a hundred thousand hadith. So this is a Hafid, muhaddith, you know, scholar of the hadith sciences, a zahid, someone who turned away from worldly issues and was pious and so on. Abu Sa'id ibn al-Arabi, Ahmed ibn Muhammad, al-Basri, who lived in Basra, a Sufi, who was known for his spiritual dedication, Sahib al-Tasanif, person who had written many books, Ahdu Ruwati Sunan Abu Dawood, Anhu, one of the people who narrated the hadith collection of Abu Dawood from Abu Dawood. Okay, so now this is how he introduces him. You get all of this information about him. What did he say? Who died in 340 after Hijrah, he said the following. He said, By the way, to give some context to this, Shaykh Abu Fatah Abu Ghudda was not someone who was known to be a Sufi, quote-unquote. You know, just, he has no problem quoting someone who's called a Sufi. Right? I just want you to understand the context of this. Actually, at some point he was, uh, he, he was the head of the Islamic movement, Ikhwan al-Muslimin in Syria. To give you, and he was a great scholar and muhaddith. He ran for political positions. He went to prison. He had a very amazing, interesting life. A very uh, diverse person, you know. But he quotes and he acknowledges that this is a reality. There's people in it, and he's calling this person a Sufi, who's the narrator of Sunan Abu Dawood, so one of the main books of Hadith, right? So, like, again, we have to move past slogans. We have some very strange sloganeering in our community. Um, we have to move past it. Oh, that's what Sufis do. Okay. That's like about as useful as saying that's what white people do. I mean, like, uh, I, who are you talking about exactly? Like, because I, I know some really good white people. Alhamdulillah, you know. Uh, several of them are sitting in this room. Some of them are in my house, gave birth to me. You know, like, there's, there's some good white people in the world. Uh, that's what this do, that's what that do. Okay, you're going to have to be more specific than that. We're not, like... Uh, uh, say what you mean, and my, speaking of what I always say, right, my mom's statement. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Oh, the Sufis do that. Say what you mean. What do you mean, actually? What are you trying to say? You know, be, like, be a person who has their brain works a little bit. He says, تَصَوَّفْ كُلُّهُ تَرْكَ الْفُضُونَ وَالْمَعْرِفَةُ the spiritual path in its entirety is to leave these extra things. Leave the fudu. Leave the extra things. And, and knowledge, all of it, is to acknowledge one's ignorance. All of knowledge is to acknowledge one's ignorance. And then he says, and asceticism, all of it, is taking what you have to take. Like you see how he's, there's a, there's a theme to what he's saying, right? So what does it mean, zuhud is usually what? Zuhud is you leave everything. So what does it mean to leave everything? To take what you have to take. That's it. You take just what you have to take. There's no fudu. And then, 
and like the everyday interaction uh, with people and with our lives is to use that which is uh, to engage that which is the best thing and then the next best thing and the next person the highest priority how do we deal with people you deal with the highest priority then the next priority then the next priority and contentment all of contentment is in leaving off objecting to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever it is an i'tirad this is an i'tirad used like this is related to the decree of Allah that a person doesn't object to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so as Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani radiallahu anh, he said that al-i'tiradu ala al-haqi and al-nuzul al-aqdari mawt al-deen mawt al-tawheed wal-tawakkul wal-ikhlas that to object to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it occurs it's the death of your deen and it's the death of belief in Allah it's the death of sincerity it's the death of so Shaykh Abdul Qadir is very strong so he said that uh, this is what it means to have contentment وَالْعَافِيَةُ كُلُّهَا سُقُوتُ التَّكَلُّفِ بِلَا تَكَلُّفِ And comprehensive well-being in its entirety. Probably Sometimes these really classical things are best translated with slang expressions. I don't know why. They, just, they really make sense when you say it in kind of like a different way. So how, do, how does one attain that? They leave off... They leave off being extra without being extra. You get it? You know, like when you say to someone, so-and-so, they're being extra. They leave off being extra without being extra. <laughs> it makes sense. You're like, subhanAllah, now I get it. They leave off, like, overdoing it without overdoing it. Right? It's an amazing expression, subhanAllah. So this is fudum. وَأَصْلُ ذَلِكْ Okay, so now what's the issue? It says, where do all these problems in the heart come from? They come from fudul. And I was going to say, where does this fudul come from? It comes from الدخولوا في الدنيا بالجهل ونسيان المعادي بعد العلم He said it is to enter upon worldly affairs with ignorance. We have worldly affairs, right? We have to do jobs, we have to do work, we have to... Some people will do all of their work, all of their worldly affairs, bring all of their income, take all of their responsibilities without any attention to whether or not it's halal. He says, this issue brings about all of these issues. Uh, and they're forgetting that they're going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after they knew that they're going back to Allah. They forgot that they're going back to Allah when they know that they're going back to Allah. So even though they know it, they're not paying attention to it. And even though it's something that they're busy with all the time, they're not paying attention to it. Like I'm busy with my work all the time. Shouldn't I be concerned about whether or not my work is halal? Again, you know, the Muslim American community, interesting priorities. Everyone's busy with all kinds of things. You know the thing that you do every single day? Pray. We should know, like, am I actually praying properly? Is my prayer actually sound? Am, am I making it? Every day I go to the restroom. Do I know how to clean myself after I use the restroom such that my prayer is sound? This is a big issue. I, hopefully we do, you know, inshallah. Inshallah we do. But what I'm saying is, like, it's, it's amazing that sometimes we just don't think about it. Yeah, but yeah, I don't want, it's boring and it's difficult. It's going to take you like five hours. Maximum. If, if we want to do it the long way. It's going to take you five hours, ten hours maybe. Okay, every day of your life, like 30 years I'm doing this thing, 40 years I'm doing this, take the 5-10 hours, let's figure it out, you know. 
Subhanallah. وَالنَّجَاتُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ تَرْكُ كُلِّ مَجْهُولٍ فِي And he says, and the way to be saved from that is to leave things that, are, that we're ignorant about, like they're ruling, leave those things out of taqwa, out of wara. And to take everything that is known with certainty. So if you know this thing is okay and it's good, take it. Don't hesitate. And you're not sure if it's okay and it's good, leave it. And this in itself will start to sort out all kinds of other things. Then there's a story of Abu Hanifa here. We'll finish with it. And Imam Al-Adham radiallahu ta'ala anhu. We'll finish with it. We might come back to it next time. Says that Imam Abu Hanifa. Another thing you learn when you read Abu Ghudda, not only the authors, you learn the books too. Yeah, Subhanallah. Look what he says. He says, look, he says, how excellent is this example of Imam Abu Hanifa? And then he says, the great scholar Ibn Hajar al Haytami, who's different than Ibn Hajar al Asqalani, by the way, Ibn Hajar al Haytami and Ibn Hajar al Asqalani are two different people. Um, Usually you can kind of know by context. If they don't tell you who's who, usually you know by context. Uh, also, usually if it's Ibn Hajar al-Haytami, they'll say Ibn Hajar al-Haytami. And if it's Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, they might just say Ibn Hajar, because he's the more like, prominent one. you know. Although they were both really, really great scholars. So Ibn Hajar al-Haytami says in his book, Al-Khayrat al-Hisan fi manaqibi al-Imam Abi Hanifa al-Na'man. He was a Shafi'i too, he wrote this book, SubhanAllah. So he, it just tells you this book that he wrote on Abu Hanifa on page 34, or um, sorry, 43, he says the following. That Abu Hanifa sent to his business partner um, some, some garments, and one of them was a piece of clothing or a garment that was, had a, a fault in it. And he told his business partner, sell these things and make sure that you bring to the people's attention that there's a fault in this garment, right? You don't sell this, it's a faulty piece, you don't sell it without them knowing it, okay? And so his business partner sold it and he didn't make clear that this fault was in the garment because he forgot. And the person who bought it didn't recognize it, they didn't notice. فَلَمَّا عَلِمَ أَبُوْ حَنِيفَةً تَصَدَّقَ بِثُمَّنِي الْمَتَاعَ كُلِّهِ So when Abu Hanifa found out about this, he donated all the money that came from that garment. He gave it all in charity. It's like, I can't take this money. وَكَانَ ثَلَاثِينَ أَلْفْ دِرْهَمٍ And it was 30,000 dirhams. It's a very expensive piece of garment. وَفَاصَلَ شَرِيكَهُ and he stopped doing business with this person, his business partner. He no longer did business with this person. He's like, he's not paying attention enough. You can't fall into these things. Uh, there's a lot of stories like that. The way Abu Hanifa did business. I'm sure there's books written on it. It would be interesting, actually. Just a small, small little book. Anyone should do it. Hajj is good. It's all your free time. Someone should do it. One of the students, it's a good student of knowledge books, right? You know, look in the stories of Abu Hanifa, find like all the stories of how he did business and just make like a little 
two, three, four, five page thing. It would be really beautiful. That hasn't been done already. هذا وصل الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم الحمد لله. Any questions or comments anyone has? Before we have dinner, inshallah. So he said, every trial that enters the hark. The question was, uh, he's saying that if you leave all this fudu, and you, you really did that, he's saying that the trials come from the fudu. So if you really left all this fudu, does it mean like you're not going to have any trials? And he said that every trial that comes on the heart, number one. Um, so you might have trials. But just won't affect the heart of the person, and that's because the 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 spiritual discipline that comes from doing that would make the person's heart so strong. That's not easy to do, <laughs> right? Like even if okay, uh, I get my finances in order. I don't spend on things I shouldn't spend on. Even if I was to get my time in order. And I wasn't spending my time on things I shouldn't spend my time on. Even if I was to get my speech in order, that one's really hard. Get the speech in order, and I'm not talking about things I shouldn't be talking about. You know what's going to come up next? Really hard. How am I going to get myself to not think about things I shouldn't be thinking about? So we do that a lot. Like we sit, we sit, we go down. We're just sitting, and we go down a road. And like next thing you know, we traveled two days journey into like something that really we didn't really we didn't really need to spend a whole lot of time thinking about that. And um, Subhanallah, you see this from from great teachers. You see this actually. Um, you know, it's like. There was something we were thinking about doing. I'll keep it very general. Something we were thinking about doing. <clears throat> I could go somewhere, deal with some sort of situation or whatever. It's like I could sit here and theorize about all of the different possible scenarios that this whole thing could go and this could happen and that could happen and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, I just have to go and do this thing. And when I get in this situation, it's going to become clear <laughs> what the situation demands and so on and so forth. And it's very common to just sit and think about all those things. I don't need to think about all those things. You don't have an issue like with someone. Okay, should I do this? Should I do that? What if this happens? What if that happens? None of it actually matters. It matters that I have this thing that I have to do. I just go do it. It's hard. But imagine a person does all of that discipline. Then probably their heart is going to be very stable. It's going to be very strong. It's going to be, they'll, they'll be like a mountain. Now, that's why Dr. Omar Hafidullah, Dr. Omar Farooq Abdullah, he always says, that the, the awliya are like mountains. Now the, the, the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're like mountains. And he says, and mountains don't need anchors. <laughs> it's so strong, subhanAllah. Yeah, Allahu a'lam. 
course, life is life. There's always going to be things that are going to be upsetting. There's always things that are going to be, you know, we're not going to turn into like cyborgs. Actually, we wouldn't be strong if we did that. So the Prophet ﷺ did what? His son died. He cried. He said, Ya Rasulullah, you cry, isn't it Qadr? says the heart is grieved and the eye sheds tears and we only say that which is pleasing to Allah and that's, that's the heart feeling every, imagine the heart is feeling everything but it's still strong so it's not that it didn't feel those things so it's not tested by it in the same way but like you feel it just just because someone feels sadness doesn't mean that they're going through a trial in a sense like it's not like a, just because they feel uh, frustration or you know if, if, if it leads to certain things obviously it's problematic but someone's family member dies and they feel grieved by it they're supposed to feel grieved by it that doesn't mean that they had like maybe some issue of fudul or something no Allahu so. Anu Food smells good Inshallah. May Allah bless Marcus And may Allah bless the volunteers And everyone who cooks And may Allah give them all good in their life And facilitate for them all difficulties And may they always be sufficed From any difficulty and any harm And any hardship Allahumma amin We always say Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani He said فَتَّشْتُ الْأَعْمَانْ كُلَّهَا وَلَمْ أَجِلْ خَيْرٌ مِنْ إِطْعَامِ الْتَعَامِ So I searched, searched through all of the deeds and I didn't find anything that was better than feeding people. This is a great sunnah of the Muslims that you know, we've lost. May we get it back. You know, we should have... I was told in the subcontinent they used to have and probably they still have these... I think it's called lungar or something like this. Is that the word? It's like a food hall where anyone can eat. Langar, langar. It's food always. So why can't we do that? People are like, well, it's not good business. Manical business. Like everything has to be good business. There's too much good business stuff. Well, you guys should charge. People said that's us. You know, they say that's us all the time. They're like, you should uh, bring like a coffee cart and sell coffee. You know, people would pay for coffee. And then you guys can make a little bit of money. Yeah, and then we wouldn't be giving them drinks for giving them drinks out of like karam and then we just be like well, we just have to sell everything so that like I <laughs> suppose it's not good business it's not good business you're right our purpose is not always to do like good business <laughs> our purpose is to do good he said I found all the good Sheikh Abdul Qadir literally they had fields like people gave him fields and stuff they grow the food they make the food they bring, they bring him bread every single day and he'd give it out to everyone and like you know could have been like, well, let's make it into this. And then. I don't know, like, theoretically speaking, if someone owns like 10 restaurants, they could probably manage to make one of them free. <laughs> okay, you're crazy. I'm crazy, but you know business. So figure out how it works, you know? You figure it out. It's not me to figure it out. But I think it can work. We did it. I said, you know, it's not like Muslims didn't do these things. Muslims did these things. They told me up to today, and if you go to like uh, in Lahore, what's it? Oh, yeah. Sidi Ali Hujwiri is buried. What do they call him? Dada Baksh, I think. They told me like 
endless people are given food every single day up to today at Dadabach. Because that's why he that's how he lived his life, you know. He's, he was a righteous person, he fed people all the time, so on and so forth. He died hundreds of years ago, every day up to today, everyone's fed. SubhanAllah, you know. We can do it, we can do a lot. We have to believe in ourselves. And be like, okay, we can do a lot. We can do a lot, inshallah. And this community in particular can do a lot, Southern California. You know, Southern California can do a whole we have resources and talent and abilities and sincerity here that is incredible. You know, so may our community do a lot, inshallah. Be may may we may we figure out who we are and be and and when we figure that out, may it be the clearest sign to the truth of, of Islam. But it cannot be like it's just too clear how this thing is the truth. If the Mormons can do it, we can do it. Subhanallah, if you, I'm serious, like, look at what the Mormons do, it's unbelievable. It's really amazing. Subhanallah, the khairat that they do, may Allah guide them. You never know, maybe some great Waliullah will come to America and all the Mormons will convert. You never know. They do amazing work. Subhanallah. It's not, it's not, like, it sounds crazy, but, like, this is actually, these kind of things happen in Muslim history. (laughs) You know? Some great person came, they were like, yeah, you know what, I think we'll all just convert. Boom, whole thing changes. All of the things. So it happens. SubhanAllah. It's the religion of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing, that's, there's nothing that can overcome it. It overcomes. That's it. <coughs> Anyways. SubhanAllah wa bihamdika, shadow wa la'ina, astaghfirullah wa tumdilik. Allahumma inna sanakan huda wa tuqaw wa la'afaq wa inna ha'am astana bi sadhika jameel wa astana bi sadhika jameel Allahumma inna sanakan afu al-afi wa ma'afaq al-da'in wa tini madhuna al-akhir Rabbana atina fi dunia hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adhabin al-ar Allahumma nsuri ikhwana wa fi filistin Allahumma nsuri ikhwana wa mustabaafin wa fi kuni mikan iftahani ma iftahu wa ya'alim Allahumma alimna ma anfa'na wa anfa'na bi ma'alimtina wa zilna ilma ma'amilin salihah Allahumma taqabla minna wa afu anna wa atina fi dunia hasana May it be a blessed meal filled with with healing and, and uh, good health. Amen. Kumu ila ta'am. Kumu ila ta'am. Allah. How are you seating? Yeah, hold on. Let me turn this off real quick so that. Um, Thank you.